because I'm going to be using the same paper, the same outline. And uh, I don't have as many this time as we had last time. So hopefully we have enough for everybody that would like to have one. Praise the Lord. And what we're talking about is the first epistle, actually the first writing in the New Testament. It was before the gospel books even were written. And uh, this was Pauline's, Paul's, called the Pauline epistles, Paul's first book that he wrote. It was not Romans, which is the first epistle that is in the Bible. Epistle is the letters written to the churches. There's the four gospel books, and then there's the book of Acts, uh, which is the Acts of the Apostle, and then there is the epistles, which are letters written to the churches. And Romans is the first one in our Bible that, that's in that order. But the first one written was First Thessalonians. And the reason was because Paul went there, had such great results with those people. And when he left, he was so happy about their achievements, their accomplishments. And uh, he wrote back and just told them how much he loved them, how much he appreciated them serving God, loving God, and walking with God, and just keep on doing the same. And a lot of the uh, First Thessalonian uh, words were uh, words of encouragement in this fashion. So uh, I picked up, I'm going to teach uh, on these epistles, starting with the first book that was written. First book that was written, which was Thessalonians, and we talked to you last week about it in, uh, in our Bible study now. This is the Bible study that you, that you were looking at here. And uh, this is, let me get that focus right for us. And this is what's being handed out to you now if you did not get one or you would like one now. Whoop, there we go. Okay. Let me back off here a little bit. There we go. And that gives you the whole picture there. Now, I know you can't read that, but that's why you have those handouts. Because this, actually, this is uh, two chapters. Chapters one and chapter two put together here. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you here a little bit about a little bit about from chapter one, and then we're going to go into chapter two here. And uh, <clears throat> in chapter one, it tells us a little bit about how Paul uh, came to be writing this epistle. Let me show you this map. Uh, this is a map of that area. This is the. Let me explain it to you here. Most of you can recognize Italy. This is Italy with the boot here, Sicily. This is Greece right in here. This is Greece. This is Macedonia right up in here. And this is Turkey. And this is Syria here. This is where that earthquake hit right in here a few days ago, last week. Right in here is where it hit. There's one that it hit in Turkey, and then it also came down into Syria here. This is Palestine in here. So I'm showing you this so that you'll understand here what happened. Paul went on his first missionary journey, went all up and through here, and then he came back, came back, talked to the apostles, went back, and then he and Silas went out on the second missionary journey. And that's what happened here in the second missionary journey. And I'll talk to you later on about it, but when he got over here to Troas, the Lord told him to go over here into this Greece Macedonian Grecian area it was not called Greece then it was called Achaia 
and over here in the Macedonia and the Achaia area here and preach the gospel. Now, I want to pick up here where I left off, and I want you to notice these words. I'm uh, looking here in our lesson here. I'm going to go back to the lesson here, if you'll allow me to take this map off. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to the lesson here and pick up here. The gospel came unto you not by the word only. Not by the word only. This right in here. And I want you to notice here that Paul's writing here says, Our gospel came not unto you but by in word only. And then he says, A here, but it also came uh, by the power B, rather. A, A is about the word only. And B here is referred, but also in power. And we talked about last week about how that the power of God accomplishes the word of God. And uh, how that the Lord many times when the word first goes into a new area of places where they have not heard the gospel, there's miracles and there's healings that are done enormously. We talked about that, you know, happening over in Bangkok. And uh, I've been in other countries. I've been in uh, countries down in South America where that would happen. Miracles would just happen, and God would just pour out His blood. He just lay hands on people, and and things would be would happen. And people were getting the Holy Ghost because they were believing. Those miracles made them believe when they were fighting all kinds of stuff in their head that they'd been taught all their life. So that's why God, I think, sends miracles sometimes in those circumstances. Uh, and then I uh, want to go a little bit further here today, though, and talk to you on Part C here. Look at this very closely with me. And it uh, goes on to say here in part C, uh, and the Holy Ghost, and the power also in power and also in the Holy Ghost. So he came to us, he came to you preaching the word, he came to you in power and in the Holy Ghost. And then I've got added on there is his will that every soul receive this gift. God wants to give everybody the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came with the preaching of the gospel, with the word. And it came with the miracles and things that happened as well. Uh, many times in these places where the people are healed and so forth, the next thing that happens is God begins to pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They go there, but they begin to worship, worship God, glorify the Lord, and God begins to pour out the Spirit of God upon them. Praise the Lord. Now let me show you something here. And a lot of people don't believe in speaking in tongues. That, that is essential. But let me show you this. I want you to go to Acts chapter 19, verse 1 with me a minute. Let me read a couple of verse, few verses here, just six verses. This is 19.1, and this is where Paul went to the city of Ephesus, which was in that eastern Turkey, uh, western Turkey area, right along the edge, edge of the, the uh, sea there. And uh, it's a place called Ephesus. Verse 19, and it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Notice that. He said unto them, look what, look what was the first question that he asked. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, why would he ask that? You know, everybody said, well, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and now shall be saved. Well, believing will bring you into full salvation. Because believing requires an act of believing or an action. Repentance is an action. If I believe, I will repent. If I believe, I will be baptized. So forth. He, so he said to them, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard where there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know anything about that. And Paul said, oh, wait a minute. 
these are disciples. What kind of disciples? So he backs up a little. Verse 3, and he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? Notice that, that he knew that they had to have been baptized as well as to have been believers in Christ. And they said unto John's baptism. He's talking about John the Baptist who baptized unto repentance. And John was before Jesus. So these were disciples who had been converted, praise the Lord, to believe in the Lord and to get ready for the Messiah's coming. But they now lived in a different place where Jesus had his earthly ministry. And they were now up in another part of the world. And they had not so much heard where there even was a Holy Ghost or they didn't know anything about Jesus' Jesus coming and so forth. Look at verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, not in the name of Jesus, but in repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Jesus, uh, in Christ Jesus. In other words, you don't believe on me, but believe on them. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice how important baptism was and that Paul baptized them in the name of Jesus and told them they had to be, needed to be. Look at verse 6. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And that speaking in tongues happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. It happened in Acts 10:48. It happened here in, in Acts 19, uh, 19, 6. And uh, it records and talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12 and chapters uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. So I'm just trying to tell you here today that this is all part of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So for all of us here today, praise the Lord, when you come to the Lord, repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, we may worship and feel, you know, tingling and feel the glory of God and the goodness of God, but don't stop until you have prayed and the Lord has given you. And that's not the gift of tongues that goes forth when there's a, tongues, a message in tongues interpretation. That's not that. This is talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost that comes upon you whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then after that, we have what we call devotional tongues, where at times we're just praying and we may speak in tongues. Praise the Lord. So God has promised to give us that, and he wants everyone to have that gift, and that's all part of it. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to move on down in our chart here, and I want you to notice very closely here. Uh, I want you to look at number six here, uh, right here, verse six. He said to be followers of us unto the Lord. We must have a pastor. We must have a pastor. Be followers of us and the Lord. And we must have a pastor. It's God's will that we have a pastor in our lives because he will help guide us and direct us. And God gives him a lot of things for us to, to be able to follow and so forth. I want you to look in 1 Thessalonians 5.12. you got your Bibles there and you're in 1 Thessalonians. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, verse 12, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. Notice that. And are over you in the Lord. That's pastors. Know them. In other words, get acquainted with them. Be, be friends to them. 
Know who they are. I mean, really acquainted with your pastor. Know them which are which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish that they admonish you. They admonish you. And then verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So I'm just pointing out to you here that the word teaches us that we should have a pastor and that God would have us to have a pastor in our lives and that he would be over us. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let me give you another verse of scripture to go along with that one. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you'll notice, I always, nearly always give you two scriptures for most everything. The Bible says that, two or three scriptures. That's first, that's second Thessalonians 13, 1, if you ever want to check it out. If you look in the Old Testament, God repeated things. If you're reading the Bible through now, incidentally, you're into that Old Testament where the Lord brings children of Israel through the wilderness and he gives them the law and then he repeats the law. And he tells about how they came to the Red Sea. And then he repeats how they did it again and how they did it again. And uh, he says in one place, it was a wall unto your right hand and a wall unto your left hand. Twice he says it was a wall unto your right hand and a wall unto your left hand. And I have read reports from liberals who say that when the Red Sea rolled back, it just like a tide went out. That was all. And they just walked across on dry ground. It was like the tide just went way out. And that's all. Just the tide went out. Just like you're down in the ocean, you walk on the beach. And that's not what the word says. The word says a wall on their right hand, a wall on their left hand. And it says it twice at least in the word. You understand what I'm saying here? God has a way of confirming the truth by the word of the Lord. Now, I'm going to go back to this other scripture here that I'm giving you about why we need a pastor and this is found in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. I had a fellow one time tell me, oh, this is talking about magistrates, governors, uh, judges, and presidents, and leaders, and senators. Uh, and look at this verse very closely. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And I said to that person, and they watch for my soul? <laughs> the governor watches for my soul. You know, no, no, no. This is talking about your pastor. Everybody say pastor. pastor. Amen. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself. For they watch for your souls as they that must give and give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So I'm just going to give you two scriptures here. How that we all need a pastor in our life. And I'm going to move on from that. Praise the Lord. Amen. I uh, want you to go back with me, if you would, to uh, to First, Thess- to First Thessalonians uh, one. I'm going back to First Thessalonians one here. This is where we're at with our lesson going on right now. And uh, and we're talking about verse five, but it came not to you to verse five. And verse 6, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with great joy in the Holy Ghost. We talked about that. Now look at verse 10. Everybody with me? Verse 10. 110 of 1 Thessalonians. And to wait for his son, to wait for his son from heaven. Praise the Lord. The Lord's talking about living for God, serving the Lord, walking with the Lord, and to wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, uh, 
wave in Jesus, and I'll get more into that in just a moment, but to wait for his son from heaven. And folks, this is what it's all about. If you read the first chapter of the book of, of, of Acts, talks about Jesus going out on the west side of the, of the east side, rather, of the of Mount of Olives, and on the Mount of Olives, and going up to heaven. And the, the angels that appeared to the disciples said, This same Jesus you see go away shall so come again in like manner. And over in, in, uh, in Zechariah chapter 14, it says he'll come back right back down and set his feet on that Mount of Olives. That's where it's going to happen. You can read about it sometime. It's very interesting. Also in the first chapter of the book, of, of the last chapter of the book of Luke, Luke talks about it. And Luke says they went over on the Mount of Olives and there Jesus ascended into heaven. So as you see, he'll go away, so shall he come. He went up and folks, he'll come back that way. He won't come walking down the street with a bathrobe and flip-flops on. You know what I'm saying? That's not the way you're going to see Jesus. You know, in, the, in, in, in his earthly ministry, he came walking down the streets in Palestine here and there and everything. But when he comes back this time, he'll, he'll break the eastern sky. The Bible says that. Nobody, no man knows the day nor the hour. If anybody starts saying he's going to come such, such a year, such, such a date, forget it. Because nobody knows the day nor the hour. They say, well, he didn't say the month or the week. <laughs> well, give me a break, you know. The Bible says the day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years, when they can just appear to time. Nobody knows, amen. But we do know by the signs. You shall know by the signs that is coming and is near. And we're seeing signs today. Wars and rumors of wars, the earthquakes, we're seeing that. We'll see more of it. You're going to see more earthquakes, believe me. You're going to see more crazy weather. You're going to see more wars and carrying on things happening. And when you see them, let not your heart be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. And I'm going to give you some things here. So, so we're waiting for the Lord and for his son, for the Lord to come. Now, uh, I uh, want to encourage you, too, to look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Well, you're, in, uh, you're in Thessalonians there, chapter 1. Look in chapter 4. Look in chapter 4 and verse 12 with me. Look at this very closely. 13, I mean. Reading here in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That's the people who have died and gone on. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. That's the ones who have died in Christ. That means they were baptized in his name. They had the, in, they had the spirit of God in them. And they walked with God. They, and they would also with sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, and that word should be pre-event. In the old English, the word prevent and pre-event were spelt the same. And in the modern modern writing, there's a dash between the E and the V. And, the, and then there's an E added before the V. It says pre-event. And it says here, the, the, the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event them which are asleep. In the original Greek, this is what it did say, pre-event. And uh, they shall not pre-event. In other words, 
us being alive and caught up to heaven will not be before the dead in Christ rise. You understand here? This is what this is simply saying. So so I'm going to read that again and and then read it as a pre-event. It says, uh, and remain unto the coming of the Lord. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event them which are alive that are asleep, brother. For this is how it will happen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And that's what the pre-event factor is talking about. Then, verse 17, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this is the way that the Lord will come back when he comes back for his church. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you some things here to look at in a few moments. But uh, the Lord is coming back. This is a timeline chart, and I use this reference sometimes to let you know where we are. It's a simple timeline. Uh, Sister Toops back here is the one that put this together for me. God bless her. This is Adam. This is the Old Testament 4,000 years ago, Calvary, and the teachings of Jesus were right in here, and he was crucified and ascended into heaven. And then the church age was established, Acts chapter 2. And then for 2,000 years now, that's been 2,000 years ago, and we know it's time for the Lord to come because the Bible says after two days, a day with the Lord is 1,000 years, 1,000 years, one day. I won't get into that. But after two days, the Lord is going to revive Israel. And uh, that's beginning to happen. So we know it's time for the Lord to come back. And then the rapture is going to take place. The Lord's going to come the sky, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and will remain shall be caught together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. After that, notice here closely, after that, there's going to be a period of judgment, tribulations, and the wrath of God. I'm going to talk to you about that for just a few minutes here. This is a very interesting factor here. And then there will be Armageddon in which the Lord will come with ten thousands of his saints. This is recorded. Ezekiel 38, 39 is recorded. In Zechariah 14, recorded in, uh, in, in Revelations chapter 19 extensively. All of these about how the Lord will come back with ten thousands of his saints. So we are raptured up here. We come back with the Lord to this earth just a few days later. This tribulation period only lasts probably a few years, maybe. They don't believe it will be longer than 14 years. So it's just a long. Now I have it big enough that you can see it here, but it won't last it won't last that long. And then after, then this, and then the, then, then the Lord's coming back here, and there's going to be a thousand years of peace on the earth here and so forth. Now, let me just talk to you here for a little bit from my heart here. But the Lord wants us to understand here that he is going to come back again. Now, notice this scripture here. I want to read this First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 again. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And the wrath to come is this tribulation period here, the wrath to come. Now, while we're looking at it, uh, let me give you another verse of scripture. 
If you look in 1 Thessalonians, you're right there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Look at this verse of scripture with us. Everybody take, take real close attention to this. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. <clears throat> I'm telling you this because some people believe we're going to go through the tribulation period. And all the stuff that you read in the book of Revelation is going to happen to us. I don't believe that because God has spared us for that. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to give you a scripture that will also confirm that with you. And, the, and uh, I want to give you a scripture here found in, in Romans Romans is ironically the same chapter in verse numbers four and nine chapters Romans four and nine. I mean, uh, Romans five and nine. I'm sorry. Romans five and nine, same numbers, much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. Two places. It talks about it. First Thessalonians and book of Romans through him, through him. We shall be saved from wrath. Now, I want to go to the book of Revelation for a moment, show you something. Book of Revelation. And uh, when you get into the sixth chapter, it starts talking about all the judgments of God. Chapter six and verse four talks about a white horse, I mean red horse. Talks about a white horse, then a red horse. And it goes on to say that a great sword is given to the red horse and that many people will die. It goes on to talk about a black horse in verse 5. I'm talking I'm Revelation 6 now and verse 5. A black horse has a pair of balances. This is a famine that happened. Verse 8. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that on him was death. And hell followed him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death. This is a terrible situation and fearful time to be living on this earth with the beast. Now look at verse 17. This is where I'm going. The last verse in chapter 6. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And from that time on, you talk, it reads and talks about the wrath of God that's coming on this earth. Folks, let me just say this. That all that stuff is coming to this world. If you think these nations like Russia and China and America and England and France and I can't even begin to name them anymore. If you think they're all holding the nuclear bomb and they're never going to use it, sooner or later, there's going to be some wacko that'll do it. And somebody else is going to retaliate. It's just a matter of time. I'm just telling you. And I just want to also say here that we keep hearing about these wars and rumors about that thing over... Uh, over in Eastern Europe, you know, the, between Russia and, and, and that other country there, they, they're fighting, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, we're sending stuff to Ukraine and the Russians are coming back and now they're getting very fierce there. Meantime, there's earthquakes happening, you know, starting to happen. I'm just trying to say here that I think it's time to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. But it's also time to get right with God. I'm going to just talk to anybody here tonight that may be playing around with the Lord. Don't play around with God. And there's people on the internet that may be watching my 
teaching here this morning. And if you're not saved, it's time to get saved. Praise the Lord. This is the 12th hour. The, the, this is the 11th hour, I should say. And it's time to get right with God. And if you've been playing around and messing around and doing stuff you know you shouldn't do, amen, throw it aside. Walk with God. Get close to the Lord. Pray. Go to church. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Even when you feel like you can't or you don't have a reason to, yes, you do have a reason. If you're breathing air, you have a reason to thank the Lord. If you woke up this morning, you have a reason to breathe the Lord, to praise the Lord. That's not a soul here today that does not have a good reason to worship the Lord. And lift your hands and worship God and magnify the Lord because God wants every one of us to be saved. And you know that or you wouldn't be here today because God's already talked to your heart some way or another. And he's dealt with you and you know that God loves me and he's reaching out to me and he wants me to be saved. I'm talking about anybody here who knows that you're not quite where you want to be. Praise the Lord. And so I just want to let you know that salvation is not just for a few good people. Salvation is for whosoever will. Amen. And there's a lot of rascals who have come to the Lord and God has just made us clean and holy and pure in his sight. And it's not us that did it, it's him that did it. That's why we need baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in us to keep us living for God, walking with God, serving God, loving God, and obeying the word of God. Praise God. I'll move on here. And I would just want to let you know, though, that God loves his people and his hand is upon us. Praise the Lord. So Paul encouraged them, praise the Lord, to remember that there is a wrath of God that is coming. Now, Paul refers also in this uh, scriptures, these scriptures here, he talks about uh, how that God was so good and everything. He talks about how that they went through some things. Uh I want you to look at chapter 2 and verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, let me go back to this. Back to this chart here. Chapter 2, verse 2 here. Uh, verse 1 here. It is. Verse, verse 2, but number 1. Paul refers to his ill treatment at Philippi. Now, before I go any further, let me explain to you here what happened with Paul. And uh, this is very interesting. Now, don't don't forget what I'm fixing to tell you here. This is Paul's second missionary journey. This is the lines that he followed. He went up and through here, went over here, and he was driving around here, he and Silas together. And they came over here, and he was fixing to go into this area right in here and preach the gospel. And the Lord dealt with him not to. Now look at this very closely here. I want you to go with me to Acts uh, chapter uh, 15, I believe it is. Acts 16. Go to chapter Acts 16, verse 8. 16, 8. And he passing by Mysia came to Troas. Mysia is right here. He came to this little city of Troas right here. And he was fixing to get ready to go back all down in here and preach the gospel. Now look what happened to Paul. Verse 9. And a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. That's this area right over in here. Over in here is Macedonia. Here's the the word, Macedonia. 
And a, a man appeared in a vision in Macedonia, praying him, saying, praying means asking, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we, and this is Paul, this was uh, this was Luke writing the book of Acts, and he includes himself because he was with Paul at this point. And we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, he knew that that was the, the will of God for them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Thracia. And the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. So here's where they went. They went over here, this city, this city, and this city, and they came then to uh, to Philippi, right here, this little city right there. Came to Philippi. <coughs> now, when they got to Philippi, all Troubles broke out. Everything in the world happened to them. They were preaching. They got arrested by the authorities. They got thrown in jail. They were beaten with stripes. It all records. It's all right here in the word of God. Look at verse 22. I'm still here in the book of Acts. Chapter 16, verse 22. And the multitude rode up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, many stripes, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe, who, having received such a charge, thrust them, because he knew that if, he, if they got away, that he would take, they would get, take his life. Having received a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And this is the condition they were in. And I want you to think about it. Their feet are in stocks. They can't walk hardly. If anything, are sitting there with feet in stocks. They're in the inner prison. They've been beaten. Their lie, their backs are bloody. Been beaten with many stripes, the Bible says. And here they are sitting there. And Paul says to Silas, didn't we see a vision about the Lord said, come over here? We're in the will of God, right? Now, how many of you felt like you've been in the will of God <coughs> things didn't go quite right? Now, I'm just trying to tell you sometimes, if you know you're in the will of God and things don't go right, hang in there. Praise the Lord. God will let you know. And that's why God probably gave them the vision. So when they got there and these things all happened, they could say, we know without a shadow of a doubt God spoke to us. Because in the night, there was an angel who appeared to him in a vision and told him to go over there. The man appeared and said, come over. And they knew it was God's will. And assuredly gathered. That means they prayed about it. So God, God, is this your will for us to do this? So here they are in, these, in this terrible condition. I dare say that a lot of us have said, you know, I, I'm going to try to do the will of God. But things just didn't go like I thought they would go. I remember years ago when the Lord spoke to my wife and I, we just got married and said, you know, go out into the evangelistic field. We had, we had a beautiful home, a place in Miami and, and she had a good job. I had a good job. We had graduated from Bible college and we'd gotten married and, and she was a, a loan officer at a bank. And, uh, 
And I mean, we both had good jobs and I was happy. And the Lord spoke to us and said, go out on the field, evangelize. And we went out on the evangelistic field. And oh my goodness, we went through all kinds of things. And she said, you sure the Lord spoke to us about all this? I said, yeah, I'm sure about it. I think he is. I'm just trying to say here, you're trying to do the things that are right. Maybe coming to church has been tough. Maybe coming to the house of God has been a little tough for you. But you do it because you know, praise the Lord, that God's will is for us to keep on doing what God would have us to do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want you to know the Lord will never fail his people because he's promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Praise the Lord. And so it says the multitude rolled up against them and they threw him in prison. Now look at the 25th verse. I love this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And their feet and stocks, their hands, their backs bleeding. And they said, you know, we're in the will of God, right? Yeah, okay, let's just praise God, worship God, and let's sing songs, amen. And while they were doing it, God sent an earthquake, ship to jail, popped open, and nobody went away, and the, and the, and the jailer thought they had and was about to kill himself. They said, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all here. We're nobody's run away yet. Praise the Lord. And the jailer and his family were all saved. Praise the Lord. I'm just trying to tell you today, folks, and maybe God put them through that so he could save the family. And from there, he went to Thessalonica. Praise the Lord. And they said, we better get you out of this town, Paul. And they got him to Thessalonica. Praise the Lord. And he preached there. And the people of Thessalonica started getting saved. I mean, coming to the Lord with joy and happiness and everything. And the world was going on. And he came out of that mess to see what happened in Thessalonica. And when he finally, they said, now, Paul, it's going to rise up here in Thessalonica like it was in Philippi. We better get you out of here. And he went on down to Athens, down there. And when he got down to Athens, finally to, to Corinth, which was where First Corinthians later was written to, the Corinthian church. Uh, when he got to Corinth, he wrote that letter back to those Thessalonians and said, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so happy for you. You never... You, you, you came to the Lord, and this is what this whole book of Thessalonians, Paul commends them. He said, when we were at our lowest ebb, praise the Lord, you just kept on believing God, and you came to the Lord, and you rejoiced, and you praised the Lord, and you established, and you received the Holy Ghost. And now there's a beautiful and great and marvelous church in, Thessala, Thess, in, in Thessalonica. So I'm just trying to tell you here today, folks, that God's way is always right. Amen. If we're willing to say, God, whatever we may have to go through, we're going to do it, praise the Lord, that we might fulfill the will of God, to walk with God, and to serve the Lord. So keep on going to church. Keep on serving the Lord. You may come to church sometime and you don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like praising the Lord. You don't feel like lifting your hand. You just It's just not there. Do it anyhow. Amen. Do it anyhow. If you have to just squeak it up, and I've been there, but I just had to barely get my hands up, but I said, God, I know that you're with me, and begin to feel the presence and the spirit of God and the peace of God, and I knew everything was going to be all right. Next thing I know, I was doing this, and next thing I know, I was on my feet, praising and worshiping God, glorifying him. Whenever I felt like that I should be lower than a gnat's heel, as the old expression goes. But I want you to know here today, God will never fail his people. Praise God. Amen. So Paul's writings, and I won't go into all the detail here. I want to get to one more thing. I got about five minutes. I'm going to close out. But all down through here, 
Paul talks about how that you were, how that you loved us and we stayed in there. And he talked about all these things. He said, our exhortation was not deceitful or guile. We were, but uh, we brought you the true gospel. Not pleasing men, but pleasing God. We were gentle among you as an earth was gentle. He talked about how he was very gentle with them, no matter how bad they were treated in the city that they had just come from. <coughs> Those don't say you're witnesses, how holy. I want to go down here to, uh, to number 15 right quick. Number 15 here. I want to close out with this one. And then he talks about here about how Paul says, speaking of the Jews, Paul said they are contrary to all men. Now, I'm going to jump down here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15 real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. Let me get to that. All right. Here's what it says. It says here, who both killed the Lord, speaking of the Jews now, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, that's Paul, and, and, the, and the early Christian disciples. And they please not God and are contrary to all men. He's talking about the Jewish people here. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. To fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. And this was a prophetic statement because the wrath had not come. And if you look over in in the teachings of Jesus, Jesus had said it over here in Luke. I'm going to read Luke, uh, Luke 21, 24. This is Jesus saying, and they, speaking of the Jews here, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so Jesus prophesied here about the uh, wrath of God that would be upon him. It's also recorded in Daniel chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 26 it is. But I won't go there. But anyhow, you can look it up sometime. But the Lord talked about the wrath that would come up. And it happened in 70 A.D. Vespasian, who was the uh, general who was leading an army against Israel, all of a sudden, the the emperor back in Rome died, and Vespasian was called by Rome to go back to Rome to become the next emperor of Rome. So Vespasian left. He left it in charge of his son. His son's name was Titus. He said, Titus, you take the army. You go ahead and go ahead and march on down to Jerusalem and surround it. And Titus did, and he did. And he took that army, and he marched on down. They surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and they fought it. This is all recorded in the book of Josephus extensively. All that they did. And he told them, he said, don't tear down the temple. Don't tear down the temple. Titus told them that. He said to those generals, tell the men, don't tear down the temple. And when they went in and they started setting everything on fire, they started burning the temple down, setting it on fire, pulling it down. Gold was melting and running out of because of the Holy of Holies. And, and they started pulling everything apart and... Titus and those generals went out among the men and yelled out. This is recorded in Josephus and screamed at the men and said, don't tear the temple down. But it was as though they never heard them. And they tore it down just like the Bible said it would happen. Right? One stone shall be left upon another. Folks, the Lord's word is true. Amen. And it's that way to this day. Praise the Lord. But the next major event's coming, and that is Jesus coming back for his church. 
coming back for his people, praise the Lord. And then he's going to reestablish Israel. Don't worry about Israel. They're going to be reestablished by the Lord. What's going on right now is, is Israel's own reestablishment, but God's going to be involved in it before too long. And all these things you happen to see happening in the world, they must come to pass. And you and I, don't worry about it. God's got it all in control. Just keep living for God. And if you're not living for God, get on board. It's not too late. Today is a day of salvation. Praise the Lord. Amen. And the summer is summer's not passed yet, but it's coming to pass. And what it does, amen, is everything's going to change. And God wants you to be with him and walk streets of gold one day. Let's stand together. Let's worship God. And let's thank him here today for his good word. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. God, we praise you for your wonderful truth. We thank you for this congregation this morning. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for your presence, your spirit, your word. Thank you, Lord, for all of your goodness to us, Jesus. Oh, Lord, guide us, direct us, keep us, Lord. Help us, God, in all our times of troubles. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.